All right, Ajay, thank you for joining us and thank you the audience for joining us today. So Ajay, uh, at Bain, you guys really focus on more early stage investments in the logistics and freight, in the logistics and freight space. And it seems like a lot of these startups are really experiencing a freight recession for the first time. How can uh, new companies in the freight world you know, navigate these kind of challenging times for both valuation and you know, in, the, in the industry more, more broadly? Well, uh, first of all, Rachel, thank you uh, for having me here. It's great to be at this conference. Great to be in Chattanooga. Um, you know, we've been investing in this space for a long time. You know, we made our first investment in logistics back in 2004 when we invested in Kiva Systems, which was robots for warehouse fulfillment. And I think what's interesting about this space relative to traditional software that we invest in is the size of these markets are so massive. When you think about you know, uh, freight alone in the United States, you know, $800 billion market. And so I think even in a recession, when you think about a tiny startup, you know, the market share any startup has relative to that market is so small that, you know, our companies are still growing like crazy, you know, even in this environment. And so you have to be more careful about burn um, and, you know, raising capital is harder. But the size of the opportunity has never been bigger. So we're, we're very bullish, even at the earliest stages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, because you've been in the industry for so long, you've obviously seen in the past you know, five or 10 years, this explosion in venture interest in, in freight and supply chain. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about how logistics is kind of the new fintech. You know, previously, venture firms might not have a logistics or a supply chain company in their portfolio, but that's really changing quickly. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that and how that's changed over the last five or 10 years. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think we've all witnessed this explosion in fintech over the last 10 years. I mean, if you go back to 2010, 2012, most venture firms did not have a fintech practice. It wasn't a thing. And the reason for it is that industry was so arcane. It was slow moving. It was, it was not adopting technology. Um, and when you think about how big fintech is, it, you know, it's just a massive industry because it's dealing with the movement of money. And the movement of money historically took a long time, was manual, um, was expensive, and when you think about logistics and freight and supply chain, we're talking about the movement of all physical things. I mean, it, it's, it's equally massive to financial services. And unfortunately, it's equally arcane as the way you know, financial services was a decade ago, where everything is manual. It's not digitized. People are using spreadsheets and paper. Um, things are slow. They're inefficient. Um, they're expensive. And um, I think the pandemic has really, you know, in, in my mind, been a huge catalyst because for the first time inside every major corporation in the world, supply chain is now a board level issue. It, it used to be something the back office worried about, but the CEO did not worry about. And now this is a top three issue for every CEO. And then I think when you couple that with the fact that you've had some meaningful tech companies get built in the last 10 years. You know, we're investors in Forkites. We're investors in Kiva. Uh, ShipBob is another one of our investments. You have companies like Flexport and Uber Freight. Um, and these companies are now training a whole new generation of engineers and Silicon Valley technologists and exposing them to freight. As everyone in this audience knows, 
this industry requires domain expertise. You can't just show up after spending two years at Google and come in and disrupt this industry. You need to understand the domain. And so I think the fact there have been some modern tech companies already built, we're seeing more and more companies getting started by alumni of those uh, tech startups who bring both the technology expertise, but also the insider knowledge of freight. Yeah. So this is this is why we're so bullish. Yeah, and just just the idea that you know truck drivers nowadays do have computers, they have smartphones right. in their pockets, GPS connected. It just makes that digitization and that transition from fax machines and phone calls that much easier. Totally, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, you we, speaking of fintech, speaking of freight. Um, it seems like one of the big trends we've been seeing in recent years is uh, this emergence of emergence of factoring startups, of fuel card startups. Why has that you know really exploded in, in the last two or three years? Well, in some ways, I think people look at factoring and fuel cards and all the startups that are getting funded, and and I think the reaction naturally is this isn't new. You know why? Why are venture firms putting money behind these companies? You know, we used to own Fleetcore, you know, which was really the pioneer um, in the fuel card space. You know, built you know the market leader, and they've been around for a long time. Um, and and so, what's new and innovative about these new startups? Well, I think the difference is this new generation of companies is starting with some kind of software workflow. The the financial services piece, think of that more as an add-on, but the core is owning a workflow. So a good example of this is, you know, we're investors uh, in a company called TruckSmarter, and TruckSmarter is helping drivers find their next load. You know, this is an important workflow. It's an important workflow that connects drivers and brokers, um, and, and TruckSmarter sits in the middle of that workflow, adding value to both sides. Um, and then when you think about factoring and fuel and all the other add-ons, once you understand the load and you know what, what, which load that driver is going to drive on, all these financial services products become incredibly natural extensions. But unlike typical financial services, it's much stickier because that software workflow is, is, is something that's now embedded in how that driver and how that broker are conducting business. So I think that's what's different now is you're seeing these companies start with SaaS, and that's the starting point. And then the financial services products, you know, are layered on top. And the SaaS is really what gives you that access to the the end customer. I mean, Fleetcore historically found it impossible um, to sell to small carriers. You know, carriers under ten trucks, it was uneconomic for Fleetcore, at least when we used to own them, uh, to sell to that segment of the market. And that segment's been underserved. But now with solutions like TruckSmarter. You know, they can download an app. You know, you don't need a sales force. Um, you can get started with, you know, these individual drivers. And then that gives you the entree to sell these future services. It seems like these um, apps are more and more embedded in the day-to-day -day lives of these drivers as well. It's not so much, okay, I've got, you know, however many load board apps, however many broker apps. It's like, I'm using this solution and that's my, that's my go-to. Uh, it just seems like, uh, yeah, these companies are just getting more and more embedded in, in the daily daily I lives and right. trying to really be their, their go-to solution. I think that's right. And I think what you're seeing is you, you have all these nodes in the supply chain, whether that's an individual driver, 
an individual freight forwarder, a warehouse operator, um, you know, somebody who's operating, uh, uh, you know, a dredge operation. And each of these nodes is now finally adopting software. And, the, you know, e and each of those players, they don't want to deal with six or seven individual point solutions. They just want one solution. You know, they don't, they don't want to have to go between six different applications. And so I think there are opportunities for startups for each one of those constituents to kind of own that end-to-end -end workflow. And I think by doing so, we're going to really connect this entire supply chain. We're going to digitize it all. And I think that's just going to unleash, you know, incredible amount of new opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. What are kind of the big hurdles in order to digitize this industry and uh, to become that go-to app for, for a driver, for example? Well, I think um, an important piece is data. I mean, you guys understand this at, at Freightways and, and how important data is. Um, and the data is still so much of it is on is on paper. Um, it's uh, sitting in a silo. It's on someone's spreadsheet. And so I think step one, and this is you know some of the work that Truck Smarter is doing, for example, with, with the loads in partnership with brokers, is how do we make sure that we are providing drivers with an expansive view as to what the you know available routes are you know on a given day, um, and right now that data is so fragmented. And if you can bring that together, uh, it's really powerful. You know we're seeing startups that you know are bringing the data uh, in one place around what's happening at the port. If I'm running a dredge operation and I've got to return a container, each shipping company has a different application that you know for appointment scheduling to find out if there's a slot for me to return the container. Um, I, I just want that in one place. I don't want to have to go to six different applications. And so if you can bring this information in one place, it's really powerful. And usually the information's there, but it's, it's, it's sitting in these disparate systems. So I think that's step one is, you know, aggregating, consolidating this information. Do you see the, do you foresee kind of a consolidation in these startups in the next uh, five or 10 years? Well, I think there's certainly going to be consolidation without a doubt. I mean, I think both for, you know, individual players like a driver, you know, uh, solution. But I also think for the big shippers, um, mm -hmm. you're going to see uh, consolidation. You know, we're, we're investors in Forkites and, you know, they're the leader in end-to-end in -end visibility for, um, uh, for your supply chain. And, and what's interesting is now with the emergence of these platforms around visibility, these shippers for the first time have an understanding of what's happening outside their four walls. If you, you know, if you think about the historical legacy systems like SAP, those systems really only know what's going on inside your four walls, not outside your four walls. And we saw during the pandemic how painful this was for most companies. But I think there's an enormous opportunity now for a new generation of founders to build supply chain optimization, supply chain planning, demand planning that is now leveraging the fact that these end-to-end -end visibility you know, platforms uh, exist. And so I think you're going to see these platforms end up being the foundation for a suite of applications that extend beyond the four walls of a, of, of a shipper. Do you, do you kind of foresee more uh, cooperation, as it were, among shippers on these various platforms? Well, I think by definition, there's going to have to be. I mean, you know, what's interesting is um, so many of Forkites' customers, their suppliers 
are also forecast customers. And so now you have an opportunity to, you know, someone's outbound shipment is someone else's inbound shipment. And if I can now provide access to forkites across, you know, to my supply chain, either my outbound or inbound, and they can all view that in one interface, that starts to become incredibly powerful. And so I think you're going to see co-opetition. You're going to see interoperability between these different platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this, you know, now with cloud for the first time, we can, you know, we can now make that, make that happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, empty miles, you know, kind of prioritizing trailer pools. These are all kinds of things that can result from this increased efficiency and increased kind of uh, working together. Absolutely. I mean, it, to me, it's still shocking how much inefficiency there is. I mean, the, the sheer amount, when you think about the amount of a driver's time that's spent waiting, you know, inside the yard, as just one example, uh, it's mind boggling. It, it you know, it'd be the equivalent today of like showing up at the airport and all the planes are just sitting there, you know, uh, out on the tarmac, not knowing where to go. That's the state um, of the art today inside a yard and it creates so much inefficiency, drivers make less money um, and stuff is, is, is waiting around. And so I think you, you can take any example, the ports are, are another uh, example of this where there's massive inefficiency here. And so I think the getting that data layer in place end to end, um, I think is the enabler for a lot of future optimization. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we just have about a minute left for this conversation. So, what's what problem isn't getting solved now? Like, what is the next uh, the next kind of thing in logistics that you you all at Bain are looking at? Well, you know, we're looking at a lot of automation, frankly, right now. I mean, we we were investors in Kiva way back when. Um, we're investors in a company called Vention, which which does factory automation. But I think there's still a lot of opportunity uh, in automation. Um, and I think we're we're seeing the you know we're all seeing the power of artificial intelligence, um, and so I think that is is a, a huge opportunity. And when I mean automation, I don't necessarily mean autonomous trucks. I think autonomous trucks have probably a long way to go for a whole mm -hmm. host of reasons. I think in this country, we can't even get a bullet train put in place. I think as you think about the infrastructure required for autonomous vehicles, that just feels even politically, let alone. Uh, technically a long, long way off. But I but I do think there are a lot of opportunities for automation. And then, as I said before, I think this opportunity to take data from outside the four walls and now, you know, uh, layer in new technologies that optimize end to end across a shipper and all their trading partners. I think that's a massive opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Thank you, Ajay, for thank you, Rachel. Great for to coming be here. Out here.